On behalf of the Mayflower Church family and staff, I welcome you to this time of worship, where although we may be sheltering in place in this sacred space, we are reminded that shelter is found in the presence of God, and this divine shelter knows no bounds or boundaries. It is here in our sanctuary at 2345 Robinson Road, and it is with you wherever you might be on this Sabbath morning. We hope you've been able to connect with us through Facebook and Instagram pages, and we invite you to join us for a virtual coffee hour immediately after the service. You will find the link that you can click on at the end of the bulletin. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages with daily content for youth and families, The content is contributed by each of our staff members. Today at noon, our children and youth choirs will gather virtually for a cross ceremony. A lunch of pizza and vanilla ice cream is encouraged, though not required. There will be a slideshow, and and each of our choir members' names will be read, and they will be recognized for a year of service in our choirs. And as is our tradition, they will receive a new colored ribbon, which will be awarded to them, and they will wear next year on the cross that they wear as they sing in our worship services. If you have received our Friday email, I invite you to locate our worship bulletin or to visit our homepage on our website to download it so that you can follow along during our service. Today, we will celebrate communion. If you would like to partake, we encourage you to find bread and wine, juice and crackers, or anything that might be a good substitute, and have it with you during the service. If you would like to participate symbolically, that's fine too. We've never done this before but we are confident that the God we worship uses ordinary things to remind us of the extraordinary promise that God is with us. As God's people now, let us gather for worship. For in this time and in this place, as we are united as one in the spirit we will receive provisions for the journey before us. Courage and faith and mercy and endurance to face any hardship. Come, let us open our eyes to see the risen Christ walking beside us, protecting, encouraging, and loving us. Come, let us worship.
using the words of the poet Jan Richardson, I invite you to join your heart with mine in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, may our place of worship be wide. And may the welcome found here at our table be wide. And may your arms be wide to gather us in wherever we might be. And may our hearts open wide to receive your grace, your love, and your mercy. For we come as children trusting there is enough around your table, that our aching, our sorrow, and our hopes will be met. Loving God, as we come before you this morning, we open wide our hearts and our lives to you. Let us hear your voice speak the truth we so longly desire to hear. And may our worship become a blessing, one that we receive from you and offer to each other. Amen. reading this morning comes from Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Our second reading is from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. 
There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty. There is no place where her sorrows are more felt than up in heaven. There is no place where her feelings have such kindly judgment Chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Our final reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1986, I was 20, and the time during which I I spent a junior year abroad, as as the saying goes. Now, when when you're 20, life is this paradox, possibilities of, of heightened expectations, of boundless options on the one hand, but also this awareness. The, the correct path, the, the right road is not necessarily clear where to go, what to do next, upon what foundation to build your life. It was during that year, standing at this crossroads, I decided, for example, to begin a Bible study for fellow students, a decision ultimately that began to nudge me to consider to go to seminary It was also the year, 1986, that Peter Gabriel released his album, So. Do you remember it? It sold millions of copies, and and Rolling Stone has listed it as one of the greatest albums of all time. You might remember hits from it, such as In Your Eyes or, or Don't Give Up. But my favorite on that album was Mercy Street. The chorus goes like this. Dreaming of Mercy Street, where you're inside out. Dreaming of mercy, in your daddy's arms again. Dreaming of Mercy Street, swear they moved that sign. Dreaming of mercy, in your daddy's arms. This week, as I was reflecting on that song and that lyric, I realized I'd never really understood the line, swear they moved that sign. And I learned yesterday Peter Gabriel based his song on the work of the poet Anne Sexton and her poem, 45 Mercy Street. In my dream, she writes, I'm walking up and down Beacon Hill, searching for a street sign called Mercy Street, not there. I try the back bay, not there, not there. And yet I know the number 45, Mercy Street. 
Where did you go? 45 Mercy Street. I walk in a yellow dress and a white pocketbook stuffed with cigarettes, pills, my wallet, my keys. And being 28, or is it 45, I walk, I walk, I hold matches at street signs, for it is dark. Have you, I wonder, ever yearned for mercy, for God's mercy after a dire mistake, a sin that you committed, to absorb mercy within yourself and to let go of the past patterns of thought and behavior that might be holding you back, or to to offer mercy to someone who has wronged you? Have you ever in your life looked for Mercy Street, holding matches at Street signs, for it is dark. Have you ever hoped to find Mercy Street where you were inside out, but in your daddy's arms again? Three Sundays ago, we began Resurrection Blessings, a study in the Beatitudes, and we read that after Jesus stepped out of the tomb, the the disciples met him on a mountain in Galilee, and he, he told them to teach others everything I commanded you. To remind ourselves now what we are to teach, we're turning back in Matthew to chapter 5, what has come to be called the Sermon on the Mount. For just as Matthew's gospel ends with Jesus on a mountain, in chapter 5, Jesus teaches from a mountaintop, a symbol of where God meets humankind to, to give divine instructions as Moses climbed Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And it is on the mountaintop that Jesus comes to offer what has been called the Beatitudes. In particular, this morning, the verse, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Two weeks ago, Lynn noted that there are two words for blessing that we find in the Bible. The first is eulogoia, which refers to when someone gives up a personal blessing, as when someone sneezes and we say, God bless you. And that's a hope and that's a prayer that someone will be blessed at a future time. But here on the mountaintop, Jesus draws from another word for blessed, and that is makario, which which is not necessarily a prayer for the future, but it is a declaration that happiness, and grace and love already exists as we recognize that the kingdom of God is, after the birth of Christ, among us now and in our midst. So Matthew records how, how a crowd gathered with all their illnesses and with all their anxieties and with all their loneliness, with, with this wayward sense of not knowing upon what foundation to build their lives. Searching for mercy strength. And then Jesus says to them, Makarios are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What does that mean exactly? Matthew Smaltz is a professor at Holy Cross and notes, in the Hebrew Bible there are a cluster of words that are translated as mercy. There is afava, which refers to God's Enduring love for Israel, much like the love between a, a, 
husband and a wife. There is rahamen from the word rahmen or womb, suggesting a, a maternal connection also between God and human beings. And then there is hesed, a word that suggests God's quality of steadfast loyalty. In the New Testament, Jesus now becomes the, the face of mercy, we might say, of God's enduring love, of, of a mother's care, of steadfast loyalty. As we are shown what mercy looks like when it's given a, a human voice, when it is given human hands, as Jesus cares for the sick and, and welcomes the stranger and forgives those who, who scorn him and betray him. But notice how in this beatitude, Jesus expands the, the circle of mercy, we might say, to not only include God and, and Jesus' expression of mercy, but now we are brought inside the circle and taught ourselves to be merciful. In his book, Mercy Matters, Schmaltz suggests to imagine how this might work, how we are to be merciful and to experience makarios in our own lives. It's helpful to think of how mercy relates to us in, in three distinct ways. First, there is the mercy we experience as given to us by God. In our reading from Psalm 51, we heard that. We encountered that concept in the words of King David, who, who after his own moral failure, pleads to God, Have mercy on me, O God. Wash away all my inequity. and Cleanse me from my sin. The God to whom David prays is the God of the Hebrew Bible, the God of Ahava and Rahamen and Hesed. But in our second reading from Micah 6, notice how mercy shifts from what is being extended to us vertically to God now asking us to exhibit mercy from the inside out internally. As we read, he has shown you what is good. What does the Lord require to act justly and to love mercy? And how do we do that? How do we come to, to, to love mercy in our lives? Like many of you, I suspect I have had many Zoom meetings these past few weeks. And while I am grateful for how the technology has enabled me to, to meet weekly with our church staff or for our children's choir director to hold rehearsals. I've often said to Lynn that Zoom leaves me, how shall I say it, just slightly unsettled. And I didn't know why exactly until I read an article by journalist Kate Murphy who makes the point that the problem is the way video is digitally encoded and then decoded, therefore it blocks and it freezes and it blurs and the audio is often out of sync. Those, those disruptions, she writes, confounds our perception. Our brains, Murphy writes, then strain to fill in the gaps and make a sense of it all, which makes us feeling vaguely disturbed or uneasy without knowing quite why. Have you ever had that experience? 
In your worship bulletin this morning, you'll find an image which is this humorous illustration of sets of eyes glancing anywhere but towards the screen. Which resonated with me as over the past few weeks I've noticed on Zoom calls as people are choosing increasingly not to look at the camera. They look up, they look down, they look left, they look right, visually disconnecting from the conversation, which is sort of a problem. Murphy adds, the reason why this is a problem is human beings are created to mirror emotion. But that's hard on video, where we often miss the emotional cues on the screen. We miss the exact moment of someone's smile and smile a moment too late in response. We miss the tone of sadness or misgiving in someone's voice. And the result is emotions aren't authentically shared or experienced with another person on video. Murphy observes how to recognize emotion. We have to actually embody it which makes it hard on Zoom, as she puts it, to offer connection and empathy. To recognize emotion, we actually have to embody it. After reading Murphy's article, it made me wonder if one way to learn how to to love mercy, to feel that, is we have to read about it in scripture and discern it in God's words and God's actions to to reflect on how the mercy of God has been shown to to others and and to ourselves. To love mercy, in other words, we begin by wanting to mirror it and then to embody it. Which brings us to the third way mercy relates to us, and that is we are called not only to recognize God's mercy and to invite that emotion to reside in us, Jesus also teaches us to extend mercy to others. Seneca was a Roman philosopher and author who lived during the time of Jesus, and he made this observation. He said, Mercy presupposes a radical asymmetry between the person who grants it and the person who receives it. When I read that, I thought that's interesting. Seneca, in other words, suggests mercy is something we offer to another person when the relationship is out of balance. Now, a relationship can be out of balance because, for example, one person has the power and the other does not could be at work on a on a team in a friendship things can become asymmetrical when one person for example with withholds forgiveness or or nurtures a grudge or sees only fault author annie lamott has written a lovely book called alleluia anyway rediscovering mercy where she suggests that this, this third way of mercy lives in us and occurs whenever we choose to do this. To no longer judge 
everybody's large and tiny failures. To no longer judge their their foolish hearts and, and their dubious convictions and their inevitable bad behavior. Jonathan Pennington adds in his book on the Sermon on the Mount, mercy is a generous action that delivers someone from from need or bondage. And when we do that, teaches Jesus, it will lead us to Makaris, to a blessing, to what Annie Lamott once called this great spiritual moment, a, a new point of view that can make us gasp. Which, of course, is much harder than it sounds. To offer mercy to someone else, to to rebalance a relationship, to release yourself or someone else from from need or bondage. For as Professor Smaltz admits, I have this list, a mental list. He writes, there's the bully in seventh grade. On that list are disruptive students and difficult colleagues and ex-girlfriends and noisy neighbors. Their names are all on the list. It is also a list of people who never apologized to me. Professor Schmaltz goes on to describe how what has helped him to embrace this third aspect of mercy, of granting it to others, is what he calls my mercy day. The idea came to him after a priest said, whenever you feel resentment, it's actually a call to compassion. So what he does is he picks a specific day when he chooses to offer people who have hurt him, who have wounded him, who have left him agitated or angry. He offers them Mercy. He might offer this to them personally, or if that's not possible, in, in his own heart. And Professor Schmaltz goes on to describe how, how this mercy day helped realign his life and, and to put it back in balance with the result. He's no longer seeking to write down more names on that list but he's choosing instead to write people off. Makarios are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So may we all come to experience in, in our own lives, as King David did, the mercy shown by God to us. Offered to us by a God of Ahava and Rahamen and Hesed. And may that mercy come to be mirrored in us, embodied in us, just as love finds its way into our heart and our soul, so we might also love mercy. And then, may we become merciful perhaps through our own mercy day, perhaps even every day, 
for it is there we will find Makarios. It is there and then we will be blessed. In the name of the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer, Amen. The last time I stood behind this table, I was looking out on a sanctuary full of people. I invited you to be a part of this meal around this table, and members of our confirmation class came forward to serve you row by row. This week, I looked up the meaning of communion. I assumed it was based on a word about coming together, about unity, that the focus was upon gathering. I was wrong. Instead, its meaning comes from the word common, and it points to what we all hold in common, what we share, which makes it all the more appropriate that we would be celebrating communion today. For at this table, we remember and we celebrate what we hold in common, what holds us together. This loaf of bread, this cup, this meal, ordinary things made holy by the presence of Christ, ordinary things which hold us together through the presence of Christ, ordinary things which brings us into the presence of Christ. And so I invite you to this table, wherever you may be, and whatever meal you may be holding. Perhaps you are sitting by yourself on a couch, holding a cup of coffee and a bagel. Or maybe you are sitting with a loved one at a dining room table with wine and bread. Some of you may be with children, and you've found juice and crackers. And some of you will simply ponder what we all hold in common and consider the connection that we have through the presence of Christ. Wherever you may be and whatever meal you are sharing, all are welcome to this table. For Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be thirsty, and whoever believes in me will not hunger. And so come. Come to this table and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. O God of all times and places, as we remember what we hold in common, the cup and the bread that holds us together, let us hear again your story of salvation. Remind us how you rescued your people from Egypt and sustain them in the wilderness. Let us not forget that you were with your people in exile and made a way to bring them home 
Help us to remember the countless times you have not allowed the storms of this life to overtake your people. As the risen Christ comes alongside of us in this meal, we recognize your Son alive and showing us the way. He makes all things possible, defeating evil and overcoming death, restoring us to right relationship with you and with one another through the gift and the reality of mercy. O God, we ask that you give us your guidance in this trying time. As you have shown us mercy, spark in us a desire to be merciful. Today we bring before you the names of those who are suffering. We pray for those who are fighting for their physical and their mental health. We pray for caregivers, especially those who are unable to be with their loved ones. We pray for those who are unable to make a living or to make ends meet. We pray for those who are in difficult relationships. We pray for those who are mourning those who have lost the ones they love, and those who have lost opportunities and precious moments. Loving God, hear our prayers. And now hear us as we unite our voices and pray together the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. until he comes again. Friends, this is the feast of God for the people of God. Let us offer God our praise and our thanksgiving. you now to partake, wherever you might be and however you might be sharing this common meal of God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy. Let us pray. Loving God, through this loaf and this cup, you have reminded us what we hold in common. We give thanks for holding us together through your Spirit as we go out into this day again in the words of Jen Richardson, we pray. Let us become bread for a hungering world. Let us become drink for those who thirst. Let the blessed become a blessing 
and everywhere. Let there be a feast. Amen. The next two musical selections talk about how we can be blessed and how we can be a blessing. First, during our offering, Scott will sing familiar words to a new tune. It's called Consecration. The words are, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my life, take my moments, take my hands, take my voice, so that I can be a blessing to others. And our closing hymn was one written for the Ninth Assembly of the World Council of Churches. The theme that year was, God in your grace, transform the world. These words by Shirley Arena Murray, she is a hymn writer from New Zealand, acknowledges the tension between human nature and the loving nature of God that offers grace and mercy. So in e- we'll sing just verses 1 and 4, but you have the PDF with all four verses, and you will notice in the verses that she goes through um, what's broken in this world and uh, all the issues that we have as humans. And then in the refrain, it is a, a petition, a prayer to God. It calls us, it poses a challenge to Christians to be people of transformation. So each time, God in your grace, God in your mercy, turn us to you to transform the world. Every week, Mayflower leans on the generosity of our members and friends to fund the budget with approximately $25,000 of support through plate offerings, checks, credit cards, and online giving. Please know that you can give online from our homepage on our website where you will see a donate button. We have a mailbox under the portico where you can either drop off an envelope or put an envelope in the mail. We now also offer the opportunity to give via text. Please check our worship bulletin for details. And now, hear an invitation. We have been called to live lives of justice, love, and truth. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And so let us generously offer all that we are and all that we have to further this beloved community of faithful disciples.
Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let it sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my Let us pray. O oh God, you bless us in so many areas of our lives, and even in places we often fail to recognize as a blessing. Help us to have eyes to see and hearts to understand the depth of your love and the blessings we receive. Today we give out of that blessedness, dedicating ourselves to lives of justice and love, giving all that we are and all that we have to bring about your mercy and blessing. Amen. Lord. 
King David did, the mercy shown to us, offered to us by a God of Ahava and Rahamen and Hesed. And may that mercy come to be mirrored in us, embodied in us, just as love finds its way into our heart, so too may we love mercy. And then may we become merciful, perhaps through our own Mercy Day, perhaps even every day, for it is there we will find Makarios. It is there and then we will be blessed. And now as you go out into this day and this week, know that the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you. And the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore.